Um, this is us. So about once every couple of years, a lot of churches do this once a year, but about once every two years, um, I believe we need to go back every now and then and kind of hit um, the reset button a little bit um, on who we are as a church. Why do we exist? Uh, what are uh, some of the things that are important to us as a church? And how will we in turn act? How will we in turn um, live as a result? We're going to be taking the next five Sundays and I'll go ahead and tell you that I'll be preaching two of the five Sundays. Uh, Tim, Aaron, and Jeff will be preaching the other three Sundays. And we are going to unpack some important values of our church over the next five weeks. I hope you don't miss it. As you know, this is a little unique to us because we believe in expositional preaching. And so typically uh, we just finished our 19th Sunday in the book of James and we closed that book out uh, last week. So this is a little different for us because we usually would be starting a brand new book of the Bible today. But we will do that uh, beginning in September. Um, so I wanted to kind of let you know that's kind of the landscape of where we're at. This is us. Today's sermon is simply titled Grace Above Everything. Grace Above Everything. This reset button begins with the most important, in my opinion, doctrine in Scripture. The most important doctrine found in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. I got to be honest with you. I feel like the last five months of this COVID outbreak has put a strain on a lot of relationships. I believe it's put a strain in some families. Can we be honest today? There's some children who live in abusive situations at their home who for the last five months have been in that situation 24 seven, whereas they used to go to school for seven to eight hours a day and get away from it a little bit. There have been some spouses who experience domestic violence who have probably been experiencing more of that. There's been some rebellious teenagers who can't stand their parents who have probably had to spend more and more time with those parents that they can't stand. Hey, let's be honest, can we be real, real? There's some parents in here that need that eight hour break from their kids every day for school. Come on, you can smile. You can smile. And they haven't gotten it. What can we all use a little bit over these last five months? You know what we can all use? A little bit of grace. A little bit of grace. As your pastor, I have asked you numerous times to show me a little bit of grace. Show me a little bit of grace. Um, and you've seen people post, you know, you know, in case you didn't know, pastors are not trained in how to lead a church through a global pandemic. That's not a, a class you take. In the same way, I believe that we as a church and we as church leaders should so, show grace to our community leaders and our, and our uh, political leaders in the same mindset. None of us know. And we all need a little bit of grace. I've had other pastors and... Honestly, not in 
not our church, but I have other pastors tell me about church members that are so opinionated about this and about that. And they've even seen church member and church member on social media fighting and arguing and, and going at each other and saying things that they never would have said in person or probably never would have said outside of the circumstances that we live in. There's been an empowerment over these last five months. It's not just these last five months, but it seems like we've seen it more of this is my opinion and I'm going to tell you about it. And it seems to only be getting worse. Full disclosure this morning, sometimes I struggle and fight with that. Full disclosure. Have I ever given into my flesh on that? You betcha. But walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of your flesh. But this is why we need this series. We need to get back and we need to get plugged in. We need to get ourselves refocused. We need to get ourselves back on the same page and unified together. So this is who we are. This is what we do. And this is why we do it. Simply, this is us. Can we pray together this morning? We're going to jump right in to our sermon. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you so much for your spirit. God, and as your word directs us and your spirit directs us, God, I pray that that perfect balance comes into play. And God, we understand who we are and then what we should do and then why we should do it. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for loving us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to be in the book of Colossians today. The book of Colossians, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the first chapter in the book of Colossians today. I will admit to you that we will begin here and that we will bounce around. So if you have a Bible, be ready to move around a little bit. Or if you have an app, be ready to bounce around there in your app a little bit. And then if you don't, or if it's easier for you, obviously we'll have everything on the screen for you uh, this morning. Colossians chapter 1 Beginning in verse 3, our text reads this. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven of which you heard before in the word of truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it is also in all the world the gospel has. And is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. The grace of God in truth. There's a lot that we can unpack as Paul is opening his letter to the church at Colossae. If you remember back in the fall, if you can remember that far back, back in the fall of 2019, I know it seems like 12 years ago, but if you can remember back in the fall of 2019, back, this is way back church when we met in actual connect groups in homes and places. If you remember that, it's crazy. Uh, we, we took a study through uh, the book of Colossians last fall. And um, I, I, I greatly enjoyed that study. Louis Giglio uh, kind of led the series and we followed with that. And I love the book of Colossians. It's a, it is a parallel book. Um, a, lot of, a lot with 
the book of Ephesians and the book of Philippians, and there's a lot of things you'll see in both books. So we probably won't preach through the book of Colossians for a while because we've preached through the other two. But there's a foundational doctrine that Colossians, that Paul highlights here in the beginning of the book of Colossians. And this doctrine permeates throughout the entire written word of God. The Old Testament, but especially in the New Testament. And that is the doctrine of the glorious grace of God. Grace this morning is the very heart of the gospel. It is God freely giving us the forgiveness of sin and eternal life. Yes, and that we do not deserve and we cannot earn. That is grace this morning. And Christianity contrasts sharply with other religions which assume that man can save himself by his own good works or by his good way outweighing his bad. And you say, Josh, people don't, religions don't really teach that. Yes, they do. Have a conversation with somebody and ask them about their soul and their eternity, their relationship with Jesus. And you're going to hear things like, I'm doing the best I can. Hey, I'm just, I'm just trying to make it another day. Those are really cool ways for people to say, I'm, I am working as hard as I can to please God enough to grant me eternal salvation. Those are nicer ways of putting it. But nothing is more clearly taught in scripture than the truth of grace. For by grace, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. This grace is a gift. Grace this morning is not something you earn on your merits. Grace is not something you can purchase this morning. Grace is not something that you can be good enough for. In fact, the only requirement for grace is really that you're bad enough for it. And we all are. We all are. Titus chapter 2. Boy, jump over there, didn't I? Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. I am not going this morning to spend a lot of time on this, but here's yet another instance in Scripture where, where, where it's, it's spoken to us in the New Testament that we receive grace, the grace of God for salvation, so then we should deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, and we should live soberly, and we should live righteously. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there this morning. But suffice it to say, the grace of God is not a license to sin and do whatever you want to do. In fact, the grace of God trans transforms your life to where you will live righteously. And you'll live soberly. And you'll deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. Salvation is a gracious act on God's part. Sanctification is a gracious action in your life currently. As I said, we're not going to pause there for long. But what is grace? What is grace? If I were to ask you this morning, and I don't want you to necessarily uh, speak back, but if I were to ask you, what is grace this morning? How do you define grace? And uh, certainly it's a misunderstood word to some and definitely misapplied by many. But if you want to look at it as God's riches at Christ's expense, G-R-A-C-E, that's not bad. God's riches at Christ's expense. It's everything we get, not because of us, but because of Christ. It's a good way of looking at it. 
One of the best known, best known definitions of grace is only three words long. God's unmerited favor. God's unmerited favor, unearned. If you tried to earn it, you couldn't earn it. Unmerited favor. Tozer expanded and said this. Grace is the good pleasure of God that inclines him to bestow benefits on the undeserving. Grace is the good pleasure of God that inclines him to bestow benefits on the undeserving. Burkhoff goes a little deeper and says, grace is the unmerited operation of God in the heart of man affected through the agency of the Holy Spirit. The unmerited, unearned, unpaid for by you operation of God in the heart of man through the agency of the Holy Spirit. Grace is not merely unmerited favor, but it is favor that is bestowed on sinners. It's not just that you were you were mediocre and you were a non-factor in the matter. It is that you were actively a, ch- a child of wrath, working against the grace of God. And God showed you unmerited favor. You see, there's a distinction there. One of them says, we were just sitting idly by on the side of the road doing nothing good, but also doing nothing bad. We were just good, normal, and Jesus came through and he just scooped us right up and put us in the back of his (laughs) F-150. No, the truth is, I think if Jesus were alive, he would drive an F-150. I don't have one, but I'm getting one one day. Just wait. No, this is the way we really need to look at grace. Grace is Jesus was heading down the road and we were actively fighting against him, not allowing him through and not wanting him to get through. And we were fighting against him as a child of wrath and grace came through and picked us up, not to throw us out of the way, but to bring us in loving arms. Grace. Grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin, for where sin was great, grace was greater. Grace is not a dormant or abstract quality, but it is a dynamic and active working principle. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men back in in Titus chapter 2, and this says the grace of God then teaches us to deny ungodly lust. It is active. It's living. The grace of God is not some thing we got back in the day when we prayed some prayer that they taught that they taught us into at youth camp. No, grace is an active thing that is working in our lives every single day. It is teaching us, Titus 2 says, teaching us. It's teaching us and teaching us. And grace should teach us every day. Grace is not some kind of blessing that sits idly by until we do enough good to activate it. No, grace is God's sovereign initiative. It's God's sovereign action in our lives. And His will, not my will, but His will. In Ephesians chapter 1, very important chapter in the Bible, by the way. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says to the church at Ephesus, having predestined us, 
to adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Accepted. You, the sinner, me, the sinner, you, the child of wrath, accepted. Grace is not just a once received act, but grace, Romans chapter 5 tells us that we, it is something we stand in. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, therefore, possibly my favorite chapter in the Bible, by the way, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Listen, this unmerited favor, this getting what we don't deserve, this grace that we receive, this grace, we stand in it. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The entire Christian life, ladies and gentlemen, this morning, the entire Christian life is compelled, empowered, and established by grace. We're getting somewhere. We're laying the theological groundwork. I'm sorry to overpower you with scripture and theology this morning. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 9, do not be carried away with various and strange doctrines like earning your own grace. For it is good that the heart be established by grace. Not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. I won't read it, but in 2 Peter chapter 3, we're instructed to grow in grace. Grace above everything. Grace is everything. Grace is receiving all favor from God apart from any earning or any merit on our part. Grace is experiencing a real relationship with our creator through the blood of Jesus Christ this morning. And can I say that grace is amazing. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Yeah, it's a sweet sound, all right. Child of wrath. Sinner actively pushing against your creator. Grace. Deserving of hell, deserving of punishment, deserving of damnation this morning. Grace. Grace. God's grace. Amazing grace this morning. And that doctrine is the foundation for all we do here at Keystone Church. We will be a church that leads out with grace. You say, Josh, aren't there commands in Scripture of, of times when the church has to do some difficult things? There certainly is. But this church will lead out with grace. You know, sometimes you can do some difficult things and make some difficult choices or, or have to have some difficult conversations every now and then, but you can always lead with grace. You can always lead with grace this morning, grace above 
everything. You say, well, what about my sin, Josh? What about, what about my past? What about the things that I don't even want to talk about anymore? What about my, my current struggles? What about my marriage that's suffering and nobody knows about it? What about the person in my family that I love dearly and now they, we haven't spoken over the last couple of years? What about me? What about my life? And what about the things that are going on in my struggles? Grace above everything. And what about my sin? Grace. What about my relationships? Grace. This morning as we apply this to our church, let's identify what grace will look like. You see, the theological truth of grace, the head knowledge of grace is important. And we've established that. If you want the notes, I'll send them to you. We've established some theological truths about grace. And by the way, this is what I love about grace. I probably touched on 12 to 15 different passages. And we didn't even begin to scratch the surface on grace. That's what I love about grace. Didn't even begin to scratch the surface this morning. But I'll send it to you. The theological truth about grace is important. But what we're about to close with today is how does grace display itself? Okay, how does grace live? Not the vertical, we've done that. Now, what's the horizontal of grace look like? Number one, I want us to see this this morning. Grace creates a judgment-free zone. Grace creates a judgment-free zone. Romans 14.4 simply asks this question. And by the way, Romans 14 is an incredible text and chapter on grace. Who are you to judge Another's servant. Grace creates a judgment-free zone. We took judgment-free zone from Planet Fitness. As you can tell, the only fitness I've, I've been into recently is trying to fit in a shirt. Okay, that's the only fitness. Just going. <laughs> All right, that wasn't in my notes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> or trying to pick, trying to fit that Chick-fil-A sandwich, fitting it in my mouth, right? All right, so <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow, Tim, I begin. We, we're we're beginning a challenge. Is this six, it's to Thanksgiving? Lord have mercy. We're beginning a challenge from now to Thanksgiving, and hopefully, you're going to see me fitting in more things than what I can fit in right now. But at the end of the day, the judgment-free zone. Is simply this. I can walk into Planet Fitness. And they've created a culture that when big old Josh hops on the treadmill, that there's not a bunch of people over there going. <laughs> that when I, big old Josh, pick up the set of dumbbells and I'm like, I can't lift it. They've created the culture of, hey, don't be a jerk. And can I just very plainly say, step one in creating a judgment-free zone and establishing and continue to establish a judgment-free zone at Keystone Church, don't be a, a Christian jerk. It's pretty easy. Don't be a, well, I say that. It should be pretty easy. Don't be a Christian jerk. Listen, this morning, as someone walks down the sidewalk, by the way, I think we created a little bit of noise out here today. The people in Northgate Park might know. Something's, something's going on here today, this morning. We played music out to them. We had flags flopping in their faces. 
as people walk down this sidewalk this month, and who knows if we'll have guests from the local area, I have no idea, but it doesn't matter who walks through that door right there. It doesn't matter how they look. It doesn't matter what happened to them earlier that week. It doesn't matter the choices that they've made up until that point. Grace. Grace. You see, what kind of Christian looks at someone that walks in the door and eyes them up and sees what they're wearing and says, okay, you go sit over there. But someone comes in with fine garments on and you can, you can tell that they, they drove a nice car. And, and oh, sir, would you, you and your family can come right up here. You can sit right here. Can I get you a bottle of water? Can I help you with anything? No, no. Every person that walks through that door is a VIP. Very important person. And I don't care if the tattoos are all over their body and there's piercings and and, and they couldn't go through a metal detector and and, and get through to save their life. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they come in a three-piece suit or a tuxedo. Grace. Judgment free. When is the last time you looked at someone in their eyes and that was where your connection was? It wasn't on everything else. You see, grace allows us to create and to continue to create a judgment-free zone. But not only that this morning, what does grace look like in the context of our church? Grace creates a judgment-free zone. But secondly, grace informs the way that we interact with one another. Grace will inform the way we interact with people. Look at Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Grace. In the way that we interact with one another, how does grace impact our church? Grace says, hey, I know what you said. And in my flesh, I want to take offense to what you said, but I'm going to show you grace and I'm going to believe the best case scenario about what you just said. Grace said, Karen made a decision last week. She didn't. I'm just using so hypothetically. Karen made a decision last week and I'm her pastor and I'm, I'm telling you what, I don't even, I have no idea what was going through her head. And you know, in those times, you know what grace says? Grace informs the way I interact with her and grace says, I give Karen 110% the benefit of the doubt. Obviously, Karen knows something I didn't know. I give her the benefit of the doubt. I assume the best. I assume the best. Hey, so-and-so's not here. We got six families out of town today. We got another family. Can't be here for other reasons. We're going to figure this all out. It's all good. But Grace says, as a pastor, Grace says, oh, I'm sure there's something I don't know. Let's reach out like... Let's, let's be graceful to those people. Let's be, let's be courteous to those people. I, I tried to make it a point last night. I texted every family I knew that was out of town. I said, I hope you have a great time on your vacation. Get away. I can't wait for my family to go on one. Just grace. It's just grace. Hey, grace says you can have a bad day, and I'm, I'm not going to hold it against you. Grace even says you can say something you shouldn't say to me in a way you shouldn't say it. And I'm going to let you. Grace says that we need to interact as a Christian 
The way that I put it is simply this. We have received grace. We should live in grace. We should speak grace. We should give grace. We have received grace. So we should live in grace. We should speak grace. And we should give grace to other people. You see, it's all about grace. You say, Is it, isn't it about truth? Yes. And grace is a major part of truth. Isn't it about, but isn't it about the, the walk in the line? Yes. We walk that line with grace. Hey, we speak the truth with grace and love. Thirdly, grace and last, I'm sorry, thirdly, grace promotes a positive, upbeat outlook on life. Please listen to this. I'm, I'm not going to say too much. I just, I, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to say this. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That you may be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I just want to say today, whether you're here or you're watching this later, by the way, we were not able to live stream this morning. This will be up over the next few hours. But if you're watching this later, I understand that the pandemic has put us in a mental health crisis in our country. I understand that. I understand that there are people that are more fearful right now than they've ever been their entire lives. Can I say this? Can I, can I beg you and ask you by the, through the grace of God this morning to ask the Holy Spirit to renew your mind? You say, I'm staying in the house. I, I'm not getting out right now. Okay, can I ask you this morning to ask, stay in the house, do what's best for you, but ask the Holy Spirit to renew your mind. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a positive outlook on life. You say there's nothing positive going on right now. I understand. I get it. The circumstances outside. But a part of living, living the Christian life is to have joy and, and grace and a positive outlook no matter the circumstances in life. And this morning, may I ask as a church that we remain positive and upbeat. You say, man, we, we got to register for church every Sunday. Let's remain positive and upbeat. I've already registered for the next two weeks. <laughs> um, so I'm in. Um, yeah, let's remain upbeat. I mean, you got to check my temperature. I mean, man, what, what are we? What are we in a communist country? Let's just remain upbeat. Let's just remain positive. Listen, I think you understand that we have, we're doing the best we can with the cards we've been dealt. Let's, let's be positive. Let's not be ignorant, but let's be positive. Let's have an upbeat outlook. Grace can allow us that. This morning, when you walked in, the reason why we play music outside, you know why? We want you to come in with a pep in your step. We want you to come in here this morning when you came in. There was something probably on the screen and there was something playing. We want, we want there to be a, an upbeat positivity. As you come in this morning. And lastly, and most importantly, grace ushers us into an eternity with Jesus. Grace ushers us in to an eternity with Jesus. You say, is that all grace is? No. 
But let me tell you something. There's not a more important element of grace than the grace of God that brings salvation to men. It'd be a tragedy if you came to Keystone Church and you didn't hear about the grace of God that ushers you into an eternity with Jesus. It'd be a tragedy if you came here for a couple of weeks and you didn't hear about the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. It'd be a tragedy if you showed up at church and you didn't have an opportunity to give your heart and life to Christ for eternal salvation. You see, the ultimate act of grace was perfect, holy, sinless creator God looking upon sinful children of wrath for all of sin, there's none righteous, us, and saying, I have a plan. The first mention of it we see, and I think you can make an argument even possibly before with Genesis chapter 3. Man sinned, Adam and Eve sinned, and what did they do? What's the first thing they did? They realized they were naked, and then what did they do? Same thing you and I would do, right? We're going to find some leaves. And what did they try to do? They tried to cover their sin. First mention of the gospel. What did, what did God do? God comes down. Who told you you were naked? You know what God does? He gives them animal skins as covering. What had to happen for God to give them animal skins? What had to happen? Death. There had to be someone, some animal that sacrifices life. You see, God saw our sinful state and saw us in need of grace. And he sent his perfect, holy, righteous son, Jesus. And Jesus didn't come in a holy uh, cavalcade of, of, of white horses and in silk purple. He came humbly. He lived a perfect life. He was tempted, the Bible says, the same way you're tempted. In fact, sometimes even more. I've never done a 40-day water-only fast. Jesus did. And how did the devil tempt him? With food. Lord, have mercy. It's over. It's going to be real. But he came and he lived a a sinless life. Jesus came and he lived a life that you couldn't live. The perfect life. And here's the thing. The wages of sin is death. The payment for our sin. And we deserve to die. And Jesus came and he died the death that you deserve to die. Because of your sin, real talk here, because of your sin, you deserve to die. And your sin would place you in one of two places in eternity, heaven or hell. It's very simple here, folks. Heaven is a perfect place that is without sin. Sinners not welcome. So if you die in your sin today, there's only one option for you. Let's just spend an eternity in hell and... Over my dead body, God said. Over my dead body. And Jesus died. And yes, as sinners, can we go to heaven? Absolutely not. But as redeemed saints of God who have believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and repented of our sin and put, and put our faith and trust into Jesus Christ, by grace, we're ushered in. By grace, We're given free access by grace and eternal home in heaven. And so today I challenge you 
follower of Jesus, comprehend grace every day. Comprehend grace every day. Whether you have to get up in the morning and look in the mirror and say that you are a child of God by the grace of God. And today, because of the grace of God, I will show grace to other people. If you have to look in the mirror and tell yourself that, tell yourself that. Comprehend grace every day, follower of Jesus. And if you're here today and you've never accepted the grace of God through the blood of Jesus Christ, it's the good news. It's the gospel. He came, lived, he was crucified, he was buried. But on the third day, living hope, he rose. He rose in victory. The church family, guests, whoever's here today, he wants to give you victory. He wants to give you freedom. And that freedom comes through Jesus Christ. Have you repented and put your faith in Christ and Christ alone? Not in your good works, not in your church attendance. But in Jesus, we're going to give you an opportunity this morning as our band comes. If you would bow your head, close your eyes. I don't know where you're at today in your personal life. But I do know this, there's more grace available than there is sin. I do know this, that the grace of God is available and readily accessible to every single one of us. I do know this morning that God in His grace sent Jesus. I wonder if you're here today. You say, Josh, man, I something's speaking to me this morning. I don't know what it is, but maybe I've just never understood grace like this. Maybe I've never understood a grace that would take me as a sinner and would make me a child of God. I've never understood a grace that would make take me a child of wrath, a child of sin, and make me a child of grace, a child of God. Never understood, but today I want to understand. Today I want to take that step. I want to believe. If you're here today, I simply ask I don't think this is a big deal to ask. If you're here today and you say, Josh, I'd like to receive that grace, eternal salvation in Jesus. I've never accepted Christ before, or if I did, I had no idea what I was doing. Today, I'd like to receive Jesus and the grace that he offers. If that's you today, would you simply just slip your hand up and just take it right back down? I'm not going to embarrass you. I wouldn't call your name if I know your name. I promise I wouldn't do that. But today, Josh, I'm I'd like to receive the grace that Jesus offers. Would you slip your hand up and just take it right back down? It doesn't have to be high. Believer here today, follower of Jesus today, grace is the core element of our existence. Grace is the foundation upon which we build every building of our lives. Grace is the key that unlocks every door available to us live in the grace comprehend the grace believer and then display the grace show the grace let's stop being gentle jerks and let's be grace-centered jesus followers thanks for listening today if you're listening for the first time 
we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the Gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media ministry and outreach ministry of Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and all around the world. Visit keystonerdu.church to get involved.